0: Um, and as we're going through uh, Luke we, we're going through Luke with an idea of Jesus was much more radical uh, than in our western world we often believe him to be you know in our western paradigms uh, Jesus is really just you know the, the, the faith that the Christianity I grew up in was you just behave yourself be good and then you're a good Christian if you don't kill anyone that's kind of like the measure, um, but otherwise, do whatever you want in the in the in the Western mindset. Could God loves white Westerners? I mean, that's really what it was, uh, and it is obviously nonsense. But it's certainly what was the culture of the time. And Jesus was much much more radical than that. He was much much more dynamic than that. He was about human beings, human beings living for God and and becoming what God intended them to be. And he he hasn't changed. And so, the one thing that God understood, and it's the one thing that I believe He's wanting to restore into the church, is He's wanting to restore passion and excitement that doesn't come out of guilt, but comes out of just amazement at what He does. And it's been very difficult in the Western church, and this is why many churches are empty, because people have finally said, I can't handle religion anymore. I just live guilt. I just live guilty. And I come to church and, and we talk stories and I never see anything change. And my insides are not like what you talk about. And I can't get them together. And when God came in Jesus, he, he was saying to the same kind of church, because the Pharisees were there putting heavy burdens on people, he was saying the same thing. He said, I'm not like what you think I am. I'm not locked in a synagogue. I'm not locked in the Torah. I'm not locked in this big book. I am alive and real. And my name is Love. And I'm not this sentimental love, by the way. I'm love of truth and power. So to know me is to love me and also to be terrified. I am God and I'm on one mission and that is that your life would know what it is to be fully in me and me in you and that means we're going to have some tussles along the way because sometimes you want to be God you familiar with that one? so we're going to talk about Jesus in in the way he walked through this world because you see Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the Father if you've seen me you've seen God If you want to know what God is like, look at me. And people were astounded because they had never imagined in their wildest dreams that God could be so cool. That God would walk up to people and tell them that he loved them. He would walk up to people and release power that would heal them completely. Because they didn't deserve it. And Jesus just kept on doing it again and again. And so you know what happens? People gather Around him, And so you hear, wherever Jesus went, there were crowds of people, there were crowds of people. Let me read from Luke chapter 7, verse 1. And these are, these are familiar stories to some, which, where this is the centurion. When Jesus had finished saying all this, and uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, he, he just told a story about, you know, the wise man built his house on the rock, and the foolish man built his house in the sand, and we sing it as a children's song, and we think it's cute. And Jesus said, I didn't sing a cute song. That was a very, very deep message to my people. And he said, the people who build their house on the sand are the people who listen and they don't do anything about it. They are stupid. They are foolish. The people who build their house on the rock are those who hear what I say and then apply it and do it. And that's why I say God's word, I believe today to us, is I want disciples, not believers. Disciples, not believers. A believer is somebody who says, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Yes, I believe, I believe. A disciple is one who says, Lord, here I am, use me. A believer believes in Jesus and does exactly what they want. A disciple follows Jesus and does exactly what he wants. What are you? What would you like to be? In, in a traditional sermon, I would guilt you into something. Right? You know me. <laughs> I would guilt you into it. You're not doing enough, you're not giving up enough, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's what you would get, right? You'd feel thrilled by the end of it. It's a waste of time. And I guess if Jesus didn't do it, why should I? So there was another way he did it. There was another way. Let's read about it. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built, up, built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. and turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you this, I I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. And Jesus was impressed by this. The centurion, I'm not going to spend a long time on this, I just want to make one point, and that is, the centurion was a man of position, he was a man of authority, and he knew that orders were obeyed, and if you gave orders, people did things. He was used to that. And he had a son, I mean a servant who was sick and he had no idea how to deal with that. He couldn't heal that so- servant. He was a centurion with enormous power, enormous wealth in those days and he, he had some clout. He knew people. But nobody he knew could heal his son, his, his servant. And so he said to friends, uh, he, he said to some of the elders, he went to the, the church that he helped build but he didn't really share their faith and he said, can you help me? He had a humility that came out in the open and I'm speaking now to those of us and that's probably all of us who are very passive in our walk with Jesus and we say well I prayed to God and nothing happened and I asked God and not anything happened and it's not fair he does that and he doesn't do this here's your key The centurion had an issue that he didn't know what to do with and he went to the leadership of whatever group he knew and he said, can you help me? I've just heard of this guy, Jesus. Now, Jesus is radical. He's just turned up on the horizon and apparently he heals people. My servant is sick. There's somebody called Jesus over here and he's doing some amazing things. God, if you're there, I pray that he knocks on my door between five and six. No. There are many of us here who don't have the answer to our prayers because we're doing that kind of praying. I'd like it on my terms. I'd like it in my language. I'd like it through the people that I want to have it come to me. And Lord, when you've got all of that lined up, I'd like to receive it. And God the Father would say to you this morning, I'm sending you in all my love the answer to the cries of your heart. But you humble yourself and receive it as I give it, not as you want it. Because I'm about building character, and I am God. And you're way too proud, and you've got too many conditions, and I'm going to help you with that as well, by the way. And as Graham Cook would say, he would say that in the nicest possible way. And he sends these servants to Jesus. And, and says, will you come? Because this guy's helped build our synagogue. And Jesus starts responding. And then the guy says, you know, I'm not even worthy of you coming into my house. I mean, I know how to give, I don't need to waste your time. Just give the order. And so he sends some friends. Now what's he doing? He's also saying to his friends, I have a need. And so he sends his friends to Jesus. And Jesus is blown away and he says, I've never seen faith like this among the people who are meant to call, you know, the Jews. And by the time those guys got back to the centurion's house, the man was healed, the servant was healed. And word got back that the servant was healed. That's why crowds followed Jesus. Because things happened. He didn't just talk. When he spoke, people were healed. They were set free. The answers to some of the cries of our hearts are just round the corner. We just got to get up and go and get it. What we're seeing in Jesus is his character, and his character is always "I am willing." The next story, Jesus. Uh, I, I can't resist saying uh, it's in Nain, because it was in Nain, a town called Nain. So never mind he went to a town called Nain and a woman and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him and large crowds only follow people when they're intrigued by what's going on Jesus had large crowds he had large crowds while he was healing people he had no one when he stood up to the authorities and said kill me The same today. I'm here, Jesus, please heal me. When he says, follow me, we start filtering off, don't we? The only way that you and I will follow Jesus to the point of inconvenience is when we are more amazed by him than about the stuff around us. And that's why I say there's no point haranguing my prayer is that we will become more and more amazed by the power of Jesus and the presence of Jesus. And that will captivate us. That we won't, we'll have to stop the testimonies every week. We say, we could just got room for five. And they're going to be testimonies of, you healed my leg, you gave me vision. Absolutely, is what God. This is not. This is a declaration on this wall. It's not. It's not. It's a declaration, not a decoration. God's looking for disciples, not believers. Disciples make these declarations come true on earth as in heaven now, and He's He is looking at you. as we saw last week come back to that that's the punchline Jesus went to Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him and as he approached the town gate a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow that's pretty heavy duty a mother with a dead son and a dead husband and a large crowd from the town was with her so Jesus has a large crowd and she has a large crowd The one large crowd is supporting her in her grief and the other large crowd is saying, what's he going to do next? Now Jesus was obviously going there for a reason. Maybe he knew it, maybe he didn't. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. I love this phrase, the dead man sat up and began to talk. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come among his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. That's the Jesus who we serve How many of you have seen a dead person rise from the dead? How many would like to? How many people have we prayed for to rise from the dead? Maybe it's why we haven't seen any. There are testimonies about that. What we have to come to terms with is that every time you pray for something, you don't always see it. That doesn't mean to say it won't happen. You trust God with that. But you get hungry inside and say it is possible. But the other point that is important out of this story is that Jesus was going to Nain and he saw this procession that he just happened to come on. And when he saw the situation, his heart went out. And he said, as you see me, you see my Father. What does that tell you? God's Father goes out to those who grieve. God's, father go, God's heart goes out to those where life is, 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 is painful. God's Father goes out. He goes to them and he says, Don't cry. But he's longing to have a, a, an encounter with people where it's more than don't cry, it's get up and walk, be healed, be set free. I have power. The kingdom of heaven is power. It's not just talk. So, in these two stories, you see the character of God the Father incredibly loving, incredibly powerful, incredibly sensitive to the people, whether he's a centurion or a widow. He doesn't pay any attention to your status. You matter. You matter to him right now. That widow would have walked out and buried her son like many have if Jesus hadn't been there. God so loved the world that he became human indwelt skin in order that we would know that he was alive and real. When he left this earth he said as the father sent me so I send you. If you believe in me will you be my disciple? Would you give up anything to be my hands and my feet? Because I have people that maybe the miracle is in you for them. I want to call my people from this obsessive self-centeredness into an other-centeredness. And as they serve others, so I will bless them I'm calling you to be my disciples in this place at this time if my spirit is in you I'm calling you to that quickly to Paul And Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he says some amazing things to them and it was just so cool to read it and be reminded of it. Uh, I get excited by reading it because he says to the he says to the Thessalonians, I never know where these books are. Some people cheat and they put tabs in and they look smart. I've meant to have written, known this book for 50 years and I still don't know where the books are and I refuse to do that silly little rhyme that you sing a song in. Yeah, Thessalonians, whatever, you know. Not doing it, so whatever you know. I've got issues. Yep. Well, that's for your encouragement. Listen, that's useless. Um. Listen to Thessalonians. Listen to these words again. Listen to these words again. One Thessalonians, because what I wanted to do is take what we've just talked about, which is Jesus in the world but not of the world. Jesus encountering situations where he worked in power, Jesus working in situations, by the way, that were just along the way. They weren't... It's effortless. It's effortless. We are stressed out all the time because we're trying to do it. And Jesus says, will you just relax? I want to get you to the place. I told you the story that God gave me where, he doesn't know I'm doing this yet, um, it just says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Be set free in the name of Jesus. That's what it meant to look like. And demons flee and people get up and walk. And you go, how do you do that? It's just like electricity pulsating through. It's the power of God. But I can't release through if it's not in. I didn't come to talk and talk and talk. I came to set people free. And you're it. You're the plugs. Sitting in the pub, forgive me those of you who are having issues with hard luck. Um, It was at Longwood actually about a year or two ago. And... uh, (laughs) Somebody's got to do that ministry. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember, and I, I'm just sharing it again because it might be important. I, rem, I remember, um, I, I've shown this, you know, what is that? It's the law of gravity, right? It's a principle. And I can stand up. I do not have sleepless nights, I promise you. I do not have sleepless nights thinking tomorrow morning I'm going to stand up in church, I'm going to hold up my keys, and oh God, please let them drop. I'm absolutely secure that the law of gravity, I mean, it would be fun if it didn't work, because then it would look even more strange. But the law of gravity will work. It was like God said to me, and I'm absolutely claiming this one. He said, to to, to this degree, hang in with me, and there will come a time where you will stand up in a pub like this and you will declare to people, if you want healing right now, you can come and Jesus will set you free and you will have the same security as if you were just dropping the keys. That I am that reliable and that faithful and that powerful. And that appeals to me. That's the Jesus I'm chasing after and saying, Lord, come. I don't know about you, but I have no interest in meeting on a Sunday morning to talk about a historical figure. I have every interest in seeing God set people free today and show the historical figure is alive. And so Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and he says this. He says... We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound passive to me. Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. We've got to go. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you. What did it, how did it come? Not simply... With words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. What does that mean? It means let me talk to you about Jesus. Do you know what he has done? Do you know who he is? He's in my heart. Do you know how he rescued me? I could talk to for twenty minutes like that easily. Do you know how he rescued me? Do you know how I was broken and he picked me up? Do you know how he transformed my situation? And when that bubbles up inside you other people will go wow I want to know that person because I just knew Mr. Christ I'd like to know Jesus will you give me some of what you've got sure Jesus I just pour it out of you that's what Paul was saying the Thessalonians were known for you know how he lived we, how we lived among you this is the Christian life we lived among you for your sake You became imitators of us and the Lord in spite of severe suffering. This isn't romantic. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Because of the integrity of your life, the passion of your heart's. And the quality of your relationships. The Lord wants disciples, not believers. So, two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' promise in John 14, where He says, "If you, to, to all extents and purposes, if you ask Me into your heart." The Father will come and I will come and we will live in you. And we considered, what would it be like for God to live in me? If I was interviewing God and saying, what's it like living in so and so? What's it like living in you? We felt about that. And maybe we're challenged by that. And today Paul talks about, they were imitators of you. We were a model for you of what it looked like to have Jesus alive the question I ask myself as I ask you this morning is if we were all imitators of you, what kind of church would we have? Right now, if everyone imitated you, what kind of church would we have? And what kind of Jesus would we know? And this is not to make you feel guilty at all. It's about stepping into something More if you see a gap what would ring out across Vancouver Island because of what is in you what is ringing out across Port Alberni because of what is in you and the word that comes to mind is God saying I can set dumbbells into life again because we are not ringing very loudly. There is not much happening. And there can be if you will be my disciple. Can I amaze you enough to release you into life that will ring out from this place across the nation? Because the good news is he says listen relax I know you can't do it I'm just trying to get you to wake up to the fact that I agree with you your faith is a little mediocre and boring and I want to liven it up because I'm a God of life I want to ring out through you I want to touch people and heal them through you I want people when they meet you to go I've never met such hope I've never met such hope such joy stand what would the church be like if we were all like you Listen to the Lord as he speaks into your own heart about your relationship with him. What do you want him to make come alive for you today? What's causing the gap between passion and life rising up in you and where you find yourself? And he will show you that in order for you to give it to him. He's not going to beat you up with it. So the good news of a living God is he's a god of truth so he exposes stuff that's getting in the way he just says give me that give me the stuff that's heavy give me the stuff that burdens you give me the stuff that's caused you to get despairing give you the, give me the stuff that has taken caused you to take your eyes away from me because I want to be to you one who comforts, loves, inspires, equips and releases life. I'm not angry with you. I'm your savior. I've come to set you free. I've come to heal your wounds. I've come to give you a testimony of how amazing I am. the Holy Spirit just pray for you to be poured out over this place right now into every heart that reaches out for you. And there's nothing you have to do other than say Lord I want more of you. I break in the name of Jesus religious spirits. I break hardened hearts. I break those of us who, who stand here and nothing that's said penetrates in the name of Jesus I break a spirit over anyone here that's religious I pray softness and openness and responsiveness huge expectancy for what is to come if Jesus can raise the dead he can certainly deal with you and me So look up to him and say, thank you, Jesus, that you have me in your hand. Thank you that you are, there's so much more that's still to be learned. I want to learn it. I want to be a disciple, not just a believer. I want to be like those in that He said, we lived among you for their sake. I want to live among this community for their sake, not just for mine. And I give you my powerlessness and thank you that in my weakness you are strong. It's not about me, it's about you in me. And Jesus says to you that as you trust me with your heart and your life, I will begin, well I will continue, but I'll be more able to touch the circumstances around you that you keep on bringing to me. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you. As we come to break bread this morning we gather around this table and we remember Jesus who fed his disciples and said do this in remembrance of me and we come up to receive because we get out of our seats and we do something we put out empty hands and we say Lord feed me and maybe as we do this this morning you might just think about that and just say thank you that you give me everything I need You're for me, not against me. I think we're just going to go straight into that this morning. And I want you to answer the question that...